Juan Do Huang is screwed. In the earliest hours of the morning, his highly touted stablecoin, Terra USD, becomes depegged. It is worth less than $1. Hovering at around 99 cents, alarm bells are sounding for investors. The whole point of Terra USD is that it is literally always supposed to be worth one American dollar. And it is not that. The death spiral has begun, the whales are beginning to cash out, and there's a ton of FUD. Crypto Twitter, presumably operating on caffeine and cocaine, is feverishly creating threads and screeds about the impending collapse of one of the biggest cryptocurrencies in the entire ecosystem. And Quang De Yong, more commonly known as Do Quan, is sleeping for most of it. TerraUSD might not be the first stablecoin to collapse, but it's the most important. The world of cryptocurrency, which is supposed to be this bastion of DeFi and trustless money transfers, has increasingly become centered around several large companies and several large currencies. Terraform Labs is deeply intertwined into the decentralized system. Celsius, Three Arrows Capital, Voyager, FTX, they're all heavily invested in TerraUSD and its sister token, Luna. If TerraUSD fails, it's going to be a big deal for all those companies. When Doquan finally wakes up, he must see his Twitter feed. He has to see his phone blowing up with calls and text messages. He has to realize that his company's stablecoin is depegged and the markets are spooked. Everything he's worked for is about to go up in smoke. Quan steals himself, takes a deep breath, and sends a message to the world. You can listen to Influencers about UST pegging for the 69th time, or you can remember they're all now poor and go for a run instead. Wow, what an asshole. Maybe Quan thinks this is just a temporary thing. Maybe he thinks he can fix it. Or maybe he's just trying to project confidence. At any rate, his life is about to change. And the world that he's found himself in will abandon him, insisting he is just one bad actor amidst a bunch of bad actors who are exploiting this revolutionary technology for personal gain. Quan will end up being on the run and villainize, while his company sends several others crashing and opens up serious questions about cryptocurrency, its utility, and just what the hell words like stablecoin and FUD and defile and whales and death spiral mean. Welcome to Whose Grift Is It Anyway? I am your humble grift master, and I call today's episode, Boo You Pores, Do Quan and the First Crypto Domino. Just a quick reminder that if you like the show, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and, sus- and subscribe to hear more episodes. And you can find us on social media on Mastodon at whosegrift at kind.social. Anyways, that's over with. On with the show.
One of the most fascinating aspects of the story of Do Kwan is how differently it plays in Cryptoland versus, you know, reality. In reality, Kwan Do Huang is the CEO of a Korean-based cryptocurrency company named Terraform Labs, and in the course of a few days, loses $45 billion as his so-called stablecoin becomes depegged in a manner that has happened before with other stable co- coins, but just not for as much money. He's an asshole on Twitter, calls people poor, and generally comes off like an arrogant jerk. In the real world, Doquan is just another in a long line of grifters using this largely unproven and pretty much pointless alleged currency with huge quotation marks to enrich himself and his friends. And he did what most grifters do. He faked it until he made it. And then the thing he made unmade him. Most of that transfers over into crypto land as well. But there's something off when they describe Terra's collapse. In their minds, the failure of Terra and the dominoes it sets off isn't just a failure of a grifter, one who they disavow immediately, but also of regular people. In Cryptoland, the story around Terra is that it was always going to fail, and everyone knew it was going to fail, and the only people who didn't know it was going to fail or didn't care that it was going to fail were greedy venture capitalists and dumb retail investors who simply didn't do enough research. If they had, they would have known that they were going to lose money. In Cryptoland, we are always just a moment away from cryptocurrency going mainstream and for people to understand the utility of it and hop on board the train. Any projects that fail, and so many fail, are not the fault of the economics of crypto itself, but of a few bad apples and a lot of people stupid enough to eat them. To tell the story of Doquan, we have to understand what cryptocurrency is. And I could already feel your eyes glazing over like Krispy Kreme donuts, but I promise I'm not about to deify this very dumb thing for what these things can theoretically do. Instead, I'm going to try and cut through what people are talking about when they talk about decentralized finance or DeFi. And in my opinion, it's basically the government can't track or touch my money, dog. Cryptocurrency and its current iteration is basically a libertarian's idea manifested and made real. Nothing about cryptocurrency is technically new. Uh, Your great-grandpa, who's been talking about how nothing's been the same since the Federal Reserve was created, or your grandpa or dad talking about how nothing's been the same since the U.S. left the gold standard in the 1970s, uh, are essentially saying the same thing that crypto bros are. Cryptocurrency, they call it a trustless system, which in the back-ass word world of DeFi is actually a good thing. In this world, the banks are nothing but an extension of a state-backed apparatus known as the Federal Reserve. And as such, the banks can essentially do what they want with your money. 
The government can print more money, it can tax your funds, or it can sanction your business. Most of the transactions we make today are in some form or fashion going through a bank first. Uh, Take, for example, your job. In the simplest possible terms, your employer calculates the amount of hours you work, guesstimates the amount of taxes that come out of your paycheck, and then send that information off to its bank. That bank then issues checks, which you then either cash or deposit into your account, or it sends a direct deposit directly to your bank. When you swipe your debit card, when you're buying groceries or paying for gas, the bank is acting as a sort of intermediary between you and the store. If you've ever used Zelle to send money to a family member or Venmo to help split a tab, you're basically going through a third-party financial service to verify your funds. And all of these things are regulated tightly and closely by the United States government. And if you're inclined to hate the government for, I don't know, make you pay taxes or garnishing your wages, or you just think they're spying on you all the time, which they are, then this relationship between banks and the state is unsettling. You're trusting that a bank or the state is going to be a good faith actor in a monetary transaction. And since banks have a horrible reputation that is well-earned, Crypto bros find this untenable. To that end, a trustless system is essentially one where a singular version of the facts is allowed, and that version of facts is then validated by other versions. The blockchain can't be edited or altered easily, and not without great cost to one entity, and therefore it is thought to be more secure than like just letting Chase and Bank of America beef it out. You send money directly to one person or one entity without needing to trust a third party. The blockchain itself is the thing you put trust in, and it's supposed to be like cash in that way in a digital format. But if you're putting your trust in the blockchain, isn't that kind of a third party? But all that shit that I said doesn't really matter. Yay for five-minute explanations and context that lead me to getting to my real point. As it stands, cryptocurrency is just too unwieldy, too unstable, takes too long, it is too environmentally devastating to be any sort of actual currency. No, what people use crypto for nowadays is to get returns on their money. It's a security, an investment opportunity. No one buys Shiba Inu because in 10 years, we're all going to be buying a stick of gum with Shiba Inu. They buy it because it's a speculative marketplace. It is decentralized gambling where normal people buy a cryptocurrency in hopes that the money they place into it will grow, hopefully infinitely. I mean, one of the weirdest things about Googling the question, why is Bitcoin worth so much? Is that the answer seems to be because it is. For the crypto hopefuls, they think that one day Bitcoin will become the way everyone pays for everything, and they rag on the greedy speculators and retail buyers who are selling the value of Bitcoin, which 
only has value because speculators have bought and drove up the price of Bitcoin. Bitcoin and Ethereum are essentially creating value out of nothing but the hope that one day they'll be worth something. In essence, cryptocurrencies are basically bean babies for men who think being alpha is too beta for a sigma male like themselves, who watch Joe Rogan smoke a blunt and listen to the half-baked quack he bought on the show talk about how injecting green coffee bean extract directly into your dick will cure cancer. And they nod and go, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it's the fantasy of control in a world full of uncertainty, a way to get rich at a time where basically everyone who is born is going to grow up being in the exact same economic class they've always been until they die. It's a coping mechanism for late stage capitalism from men who don't know how to talk about the pain and fear and shame they feel at not having a a big enough house or having a Lamborghini in the driveway. Not necessarily because they're shallow, but because we've told men that these are the markers of success. Having emotional intelligence doesn't matter. Being a good person doesn't matter. What you own, what you drive, what you buy, that is what matters. And that is the fantasy that most cryptocurrency is selling people. So say your name is Bill. Hi, Bill. And you want to invest in crypto, but you want to be somewhat safe about it. You want to try your hand on betting on crypto, but you want to be able to easily convert your money back into fiat currency or, you know, real money that actually exists. Also, it wouldn't hurt if you could make a return on your investment, given that just parking your money in a savings account at a bank gets you, what, at most 4%? And that's only if certain conditions are made. Like, the bank is going to try very hard not to give you 4% on your money. If the market that you go into dries up, you can take whatever you have left and convert it back into something that translates to one actual U.S. dollar. Well, Bill, let me introduce you to Doquan and Terra UST, an algorithmic stablecoin. Do Kwon was born in Korea and spent a lot of time in Canada before attending Stanford University in California, graduating with the bachelor's in computer science. Kwon gets himself a job at Microsoft and Apple for a little while, but finds himself kind of bored being just a cog in the wheel of big tech. Kwon wants to become big tech. He goes back home to South Korea and while trying to figure out what to do with his life, one crypto concept stands out in his mind. Algorithmic stablecoins. <sighs> okay, now strap in for a second, partners, because I'm about to get deep into the weeds of crypto. So I'll try to keep it as simple as I can. Remember, Bill, he wants to invest in crypto in a way that feels kind of sort of safe. In order to do that, he buys Terra UST, an algorithmic stablecoin. 
The idea is that one Terra UST will always equal one US dollar. Now, there are a couple different ways you can make a stablecoin. If you're MakerDAO, you collateralize your DAI stablecoins. That means for every DAI coin that is worth roughly one American dollar in existence, there's an excess of other funds like Bitcoin, Ethereum, or USDC. That means if there's a run or there's unexpected market volatility, those assets can be liquidated to make sure that one die is still worth one USD. Uh, basically, it's like putting away extra money in a, rain, in a rainy day fund, just in case you need it. Or you could be like Tether, another stablecoin. Now, Tether is a lot more scammy. Let's just say that. Uh, they've been on the radar of the crypto community, skeptics, and regulators alike for a while now. But for the most part, they've also somehow managed to keep their token, USDT, pegged at $1. And they claim to be 100% backed by something. They say commercial paper, which I'm not really sure what that is. But, you know, they say the money exists. Whether it does or not is up to someone else to decide. Uh, the same goes for Circle and USDC, which might also kind of maybe be backed by fiat currencies, uh, either the American dollar or the euro for people in the EU. For the crypto faithful, however, these things are a bit too connected to traditional finance. Anything backed by fiat currency or US treasury instruments, for example, means the state could still come and get that money. The real dream then is a coin run by something else, an algorithm. Yes, the thing on YouTube that can't figure out that you hate Logan Paul and the thing on Facebook that red-pilled at least 67% of your male family members over the age of 50. Surely nothing can go wrong if the currency is being washed by computers. With Terra USD or Terra UST, I'm going to mix them up. I'm sorry. They're the same thing. Just, just sorry. There is nothing backing the coin. Like, zero dollars. There's nothing in reserves, not even a handwritten IOU placed at a dusty safe deposit box somewhere. Instead, the algorithm keeps Terra USD pegged at one dollar. It does this by using a second token called Luna. While Terra USD is supposed to always be worth one dollar, Luna's price is allowed to fluctuate and is supposed to absorb any market volatility. If Terra's value goes over $1, for example, the algorithm burns tokens, making the tokens more valuable. If Terra UST's value starts to slip below $1, the algorithm prints more Luna and encourages people to buy it at the lower price. 
uh, so-called arbitrage traders are typically the ones who take advantage of these fluctuations. This is the way it is supposed to maintain balance. I think it, I, I've tried to study it, and, and this is about as simplistic as I can get it to understand it myself, much less in, explain it to uh, listeners, basically. But I'm pretty sure I'm mostly like 98.5% correct. Well, Do Kwan sees this as a potentially revolutionary idea. And in 2018, he finds a partner to do this with him, Daniel Shin. Daniel Shin founded the company Daniel Shin founded the company Ticket Monster in Korea, which I was surprised to learn isn't just Korean Ticketmaster, but is actually a massive e-commerce site, which he later sells to Groupon for $260 million. Quan and Shin found Terra Labs and launched the Terra Network alongside plans to develop a new payment app called Chai. And alongside that launch, they bring some of the biggest heavy hitters in Asian e-commerce to create the Terra Alliance. Why? Interchange fees, baby. Ah, so much boring shit. I know, I'm going to get to the story, Doquan. Just still, the stay strapped in. You see... Whenever you swipe your debit or credit card, the business that you're paying has to themselves pay a fee to an interchange provider. You might recognize these companies as Visa, MasterCard, American Express, or Discover, among others. And for the pleasure of using those cards, an interchange provider charges the company a small fee. If you've ever wondered why gas stations charge you less for using cash or why a store has a $5 limit on purchases, this is essentially why. Now, these small little fees that can be as little as like 0.25%, they don't seem like a whole lot of money, but when you add that up with millions of millions and millions of transactions, all day, every day, it actually amounts to a hefty chunk of change for the interchange companies and a heavy bill for an e-commerce site to have to pay. Introducing the blockchain's good old trustless environment. With Chai, the Asian mega corporations could bypass the interchange fees altogether and claw back some of that sweet, sweet profit for themselves. It seemed like a win-win. Of course, people point out that it's kind of weird that Terra launched without issuing a white paper, which is sort of a guiding principle document for cryptocurrencies. It already has massive cash investment, but again, there's nothing really backing the actual cryptocurrencies themselves. No matter though, in 2019, Terra let investors in on an initial coin offering of Luna, selling at 18 cents per coin to some, while a private seating round charges 80 cents per coin. And then in 2020, Terra announces the Anchor Protocol, this allows people who have staked or basically pledged to not remove their money 
it's basically like a crypto certificate of deposit uh, to earn yield of up to 20% on their savings. Uh, what's that I hear? Yes, I do believe that's the Ponzi scheme alarm blaring. Rule one of spotting a financial scam. No one is offering you 20% returns on your money in a safe manner. Hell, they're not offering you 10% in a safe manner. Ask Bernie Madoff's victims if you don't believe me. By 2021, the stablecoin TerraUSD or TerraUST finally launches. By the end of 2021, Luna is trading for $80 a coin. And Do Kwan, he starts to get real cocky. So much of what we know about Do Kwan is based off Twitter. I'm not calling it X. You can't make me call it X. Success in crypto in and of itself is about hype and the ability of people to generate hype. This is why even before many coins are launched, companies spend thousands of dollars to buy celebrity and influencer endorsements. It's why FTX and Crypto.com spent millions of dollars to advertise themselves and put their names on sports stadiums. The other way you generate hype is by portraying a character. If you're Sam Bankman fried you pretend that driving Corolla and never washing your hair is the same as being down to earth or having a personality. If you're Alex Mashinsky, you talk about how the bank suck while suffering millions of dollars of investor cash into your own personal fortune, allegedly. But Do Kwan, he knows that what generates hype more than being a generous billionaire or a rich guy rallying against a system he should be benefiting from is just being a plain old bag of dicks. Quan decides to be a heel from basically day one. He adopts the persona of many a Twitter crypto bro with a slice of Ric Flair. He refers to anyone who criticizes Terra as poor. He flips off anyone who points out what a dickhead he is. In 2021, when the Fed starts sniffing around Terraform Labs over its mirror protocol, which is so confusing I could barely comprehend it, much less explain it, he mocks them. And then he files a lawsuit against them. Doguan puts out a front of being a cocky, arrogant asshole who in the eyes of many is straight up untouchable. Uh, his... Interviews aren't any better. Uh, here is Do Kwan talking about other crypto projects. I wonder how many of uh, these companies you think are entering the space just because it's hot and there's a lot of funding versus the ones that will s still be here, you know, like two to five years later. 95% oh, <laughs> are going to die. Yeah. 95% are going to die. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's also entertainment for watching companies die too. There's entertainment. Oh, man, that's 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 so evil. At least you get to learn from it, right? And here's him basically saying that he's excited at Terra hitting zero. It's a cycle of life. You begin from nothing and go back to nothing. And that's exactly where I want to be. So I think Terra is going to be the decentralized money standard across the entire blockchain. 
across all the blockchains. And I'm excited for Terraform Labs to contribute a significant portion of that early vision, but eventually to go back to nothing. Right. Yeah. Excited. One thing you can say about Doquan, he does seem to very much believe in Terra. Or at least he believes in himself, and by extension, he believes in Terra. On November 25th, 2021, a Twitter user by the name of Freddie Reynolds creates a Twitter thread about how he believed it was possible to break Terra UST in the same way that George Soros broke the British pound, which is a fascinating thing that I'm not going to get into on this podcast. But this, in turn, would crash the Luna token. In response to the thread, Doquan says, and I quote, probably the most R-word thread I've read this decade. Silence is a perfectly acceptable option if stupid. Billionaires and my following, go ahead, see what happens. Doquan, a fairly newly minted billionaire, upon learning of a possible way to ruin and upend his entire company, essentially says to a bunch of other billionaires, fuck around and find out, son. Also on Twitter, another user bets Doquan a million dollars that Luna will be worth less in a year. Worthless, not worthless. Do Kwan takes the bet, and then another Twitter user ups the ante and makes a $10 million bet that Luna's going to fall. Do Kwan once again takes the bet, and they actually transfer funds to yet another user to hold it in escrow on the actual blockchain. Like, can you imagine just having $10 million that you can, like, just set aside for a year? Can you imagine that there's $20 million just sitting somewhere in a crypto wallet because of a bat between two absurdly rich people? It's fucking sad, dude. It's no wonder that people are actively rooting for Doquan's failure at this point, and it's hard to blame them. According to the YouTube channel Cold Fusion, they do great work, by the way. You should definitely check them out. Insiders that were w- willing to speak on the condition of anonymity confirmed that Doquan's internet persona was basically an extension of his actual personality. But even though Doquan is kind of a dick, it doesn't stop other crypto companies from investing heavily in Terra. 3AC or 3 Arrows Capital was a crypto hedge fund, and they have invested somewhere between $200 million and $650 million in Terra UST. Celsius, a crypto lender, had $535 million invested in Terra as well. Crypto exchanges like FTX, BlockFi, another crypto lender, Voyager Digital, they all have significant assets tied up in Luna and Terra UST. Because that's the thing. For as much talk about how cryptocurrency is decentralized, in order to trade it, lend it, or buy it, large companies have to keep forming. 
there may not be one governing body, but they are all interconnected and they all depend on each other to keep the system afloat. It's a twisted mirror image of the same conditions crypto enthusiasts say they hate about the modern banking system. Too many companies tied up with too many assets, selling and buying too many things from each other, billionaires gambling with life savings and wedding funds and down payment for houses, while the consumers, well, they just have to kind of trust that the system isn't going to fail. The collapse happens fast. There's been some red flags for a little while. Terror Labs formed the Luna Foundation Guard, or the LFG. And yes, that is an acronym for let's fucking go, because crypto Twitter is basically the worst. With the sole goal of maintaining Terra UST's peg and potentially propping up Luna. You have to remember that Terra's anchor protocol, which again claims to offer up to 20% return on investment, is still a thing and it's a thing that will need cash. In a move I'm sure has nothing to do with trying to keep up with those returns, Doquan tweets, by my hand, die will die. He's talking about MakerDAO's die coin, the over-collateralized one. Quan teams up with Frax Finance, which has their own stablecoin named Frax. Uh, I'm starting to feel like a golden rule of crypto for any company is having a very dumb name. Terraform Labs and Frax Finance team up on, Jesus Christ, Curb, yet another crypto exchange of sorts that specializes in stablecoin. Their goal is to disincentivize users of Curb from buying DAI token and to buy more Terra UST. The reason is that there is a huge pool of actual liquid cash fueling Curb. And again, for no particular reason, Doquan is super interested in not just killing DAI, but accessing liquidity. By the way, I haven't explained liquidity. Liquidity basically means money that you actually have and can actually get to versus money that's tied up in a stock or something. It's why Elon Musk isn't nearly as rich as everyone says he is. He has lots of money tied up in Tesla stock, but he doesn't actually have a just billions of dollars sitting around in a bank. That's what liquidity means. Having money actually available for you to use. While Terraform Labs and Frax Finance are trying to drive MakerDAO out of business, the LFG is buying up huge sums of Bitcoin. They buy $1 billion worth of Bitcoin with Jump Capital and Three Arrows Capital, two crypto hedge funds, being the lead investors. Buying all this Bitcoin and maybe actually having some sort of actual capital behind the project only fuels Terra UST and Luna higher. By April 5th, Luna token is worth 
$119 a coin. And while that price drops to $90, this is crypto after all, prices are always going up and down, it is still raking in actual money. April is a fucking banger month for Terraform Labs, and Doquan must be on top of the world. A month later, shit goes south real fast. On May 5th, a Twitter bot named Curve Whale Watching tweets out that the whales, or the big holders, of Terra UST are now swapping them out for Circles USDC. Terra UST drops from its $1 value to around 99 cents. This sets off panic in the system. Over the course of the day, investors start to panic sell Terra UST. To compensate for this loss, the algorithm backing the whole system begins to mint more Luna token. The death spiral has begun. On May 8th, Doquan makes that tweet about running that we mentioned up top. In the meanwhile, LFG commits over a billion dollars to try and defend the peg. But the panic selling, or maybe that large-scale George Soros-style attack that Freddie Reynolds said would be the way to destabilize TerraUST, keep happening. On May 9th, over on Anchor, its deposits fall from $14 billion to $9 billion. TerraUST loses its peg for the second time and plunges to as low as $0.35. Cents. No longer quite his cocky self, Doquan tweets, Deploying more capital. Steady, lads. But nothing is steady. The price of TerraUST is falling, and now hyperinflation is taking place in Luna. There's too many tokens, and while some people try to buy the dip or purchase Luna when it's at a lower price than it's ever been in the hopes that it will go up, it seems less and less likely that will happen. TerraUST loses $11 billion in value in just two days. Also, on May 11th, crypto news site Coindesk releases a report saying something curious about Doquan, namely that he had already tried this before. Under the code names Rick and Morty, cute, Quan and Kang Hoon Sook released a stablecoin project named Basis Cash. And while the report says that Quan distanced himself a bit from the day-to-day operations of the company, he probably more than likely kind of sort of was its spokesperson on Twitter. Quan would then curiously go on to bash the project on his personal Twitter account while big upping Terra UST. On May 12th, Luna's price falls 96%. The next day, it's barely worth the code that was spent writing it. The time that was spent writing the code. On May 14th, data analytics firm Elliptic finds that LFG burned through $3.5 billion in Bitcoin to try and defend the peg. In one week, 
Terraform went from being a company worth billions to a company worth nothing. This is an inflection point. It is a point of contagion. When Terra USD and Luna die, it sends off shockwaves that rattle an already kind of shaky system. You could almost say it's sort of like a triangle shape of some sort. Maybe in three dimensions? Ah, whatever. The entire crypto market is touched by the collapse, and many, many Ponzi schemes are revealed. No one is safe after this, and crypto will never be the same. And we'll get into that in later episodes. Nevertheless, Do Quan attempts to pick up the scraps of his life and his company. Quan begins to formulate his plan for Terra 2.0. This time, he's planning on relaunching without a stable coin. To him, the gaping $28 billion holes in Terra's DeFi apps like Anchor, Lido, and <sighs> Mars Protocol are of no concern. Doquan is going to keep forging ahead. And then, on June 21st, 2022, it's reported that the South Korean feds are looking to invalidate Quan's passport. On September 14th of the same year, they issue an arrest warrant for Quan and his associates. But even before that, Quan is on the run. <clears throat> but he is still as arrogant as ever. In spite of being on the run, Quan still does a series of interviews in which he attempts to both talk about Terra Luna's collapse and why Terra 2.0 is just a fantastic idea, and also he is definitely totally not on the run while calling into this broadcast from an undisclosed location. He at once tries to come across as sullen and chastened by the collapse, while also weirdly continually just saying he's not on the run. He just so happened to move to Singapore just a few weeks before the South Korean government was going to bring him up on fraud charges. When told the story of people losing their life savings or a man in Taiwan committing suicide after losing $2 million, Kwan, after having his arm twisted a bit, issues a belated apology, but he's still on the run. First, he flees to Singapore, but he's getting a class action lawsuit filed against him there. He's trying to find somewhere that has no extradition treaty with South Korea, but he also has to know he's firmly in the sights of the United States government as well, which means he has to go somewhere with no extradition treaty with them as well. He's still on Twitter trying to tweet through it. When South Korean authorities get Interpol to put a red notice on Kwan's passport, he says that he's just chilling, writing code in his living room and that he's not hiding at all. By the way, he's allegedly hiding in Europe for a little while and then allegedly ends up in Serbia. While Do Kwan is on the lam, the cryptocurrency market 
looks like a bomb has been set off. The contagion spreads across every crypto platform that has even a slight bit of exposure to Terra UST and Luna. While some others are facing a reckoning, Doquan is taking whatever money he got from his ventures and he's using it to not be arrested. Unfortunately for our boy, on May 23rd, 2023, Doquan is finally caught and arrested by Montenegrin officials after he attempted to board a flight to Dubai, he had forged documentation including Belgian and Costa Rican passports and a few laptops with him as well. They charged him and sentenced him to four months in prison. And if for some reason he gets away with that, he actually got his bail revoked because they are so certain that he's going to try and run if they don't keep an eye on him. He'll also remain in extradition custody for about six months, while South Korea and the U.S., who charged Do Kwon with committing fraud to investors on the very same day, get to fight over who gets to try him and potentially put him in jail first. I was listening to a few crypto-focused podcasts centered on Do Kwan, and the one thing that I couldn't help but notice was the way in which the larger crypto community immediately turned on Do Kwan and acted as though he was the problem. And indeed, he was a problem. It's almost inevitable that evidence will show that Kwan was engaged in some level of fraud, for example, remember that Chai app that was supposed to help out those Asian mega corporations avoid interchange fees? Yeah, it's still not a thing. And though I'm no lawyer, that could almost certainly be perceived as misleading investors. And yes, Doquan was a dick. But as I listened to the tone and tenor of Cryptoland's coverage, one thing kept coming up again and again. This is not a crypto problem. This is a Do Kwan problem and a stupid people problem. Over and over, the question they ask is, how could people not see that this was a scam? Retail investors didn't know any better. Read in between the lines, that seems a lot like blaming victims of Terra's death spiral. If they had just known better, maybe none of this would have happened. Which is weird, given how Terra and Do Kwan's fall intrinsically changed crypto on the whole. It wasn't merely Rubes who bought into this scheme. Coindesk, who is running a podcast called Crypto Crooks, also named Do Kwan as one of its top 10 most influential people. Terraform Labs got as big as it was because it was woven into the very fabric of crypto. His antics on crypto Twitter didn't dissuade people who are deep into the crypto life from investing heavily. Like, these are the people who are supposed to withstand all the fear, uncertainty, and doubt, otherwise known as FUD. These are people who do all the research and know all the 
crypto technology and know why this thing is worth something even though it seems to the greater populace like it should be worth nothing. These were the alleged smart ones. This was not a lack of knowledge problem. This is a problem with the very idea of cryptocurrency, a system where you are accountable to everyone and no one. Yes, every transaction is tracked on the blockchain, but wallet addresses are not really public unless people choose to make them public. And if they were, would you want anyone and everyone to know what you were paid or what you were buying all of the time? It's a system where value is created out of nowhere. No one can coherently explain why Bitcoin is so valuable. And so why is the idea of Terra UST being valuable that far out to the hardcore crypto bros? Terra at least had a plan, flawed as it was. Dogecoin literally started off as a joke. It was never meant to be anything other than a joke, and its creators are now millionaires almost entirely out of spite, while entire ecosystem of YouTube finance bros have been telling people that this stupid meme coin is going to be worth something as soon as Elon mentions it. It makes no sense that they treat Terra Labs or FTX or Celsius or Voyager Digital or any of the numerous crypto projects that are failing as I speak like there's some sort of weird outlier none of these are outliers Do Kwan is not an outlier he is the template for the crypto CEO he always has been there's nothing that really separates him from an Alex Mashinsky or a Sam Bankman Freed other than the fact that he was more openly an asshole than those guys were in my opinion the entire idea of crypto seems like a giant ass posi scheme it will never be more and it will almost certainly be less. Doquan is just a symptom of an illness. It turned out that an entirely unregulated free market isn't necessarily a good thing. Who knew?